Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're talking about the Kingdom of God, and we're talking about church and state originally. We did several programs on that, Jefferson's view, the difference between church and religion. Uh, church was the called out. Religion is how you take care of the needy of society. Uh, if you look it up on Google, if you worship Google, Google will tell you that uh, religion is what you think about a supreme being. And, of course, Google thinks it is the supreme being. <laughs> it censors you if you say anything contradicting, uh, you know, blaspheming Google or its uh, its viewpoints. But, uh, anyway, so I, I'm, I'm mixing my uh, metaphors in there to, in order to make a point. But the reality is is that the church was to be separate from the state. And the state, the power of the state was in the hands of the individual. And the individual came together in the perfect law of liberty because Christians were no longer in the bondage of Egypt or the bondage of Rome or the bondage of the Pharisees or the bondage of the Corbin of Herod because they had stopped coveting their neighbor's goods and they were no longer idolatrous. Because they knew, because the Bible tells you this in the New Testament, that covetousness is idolatry. So if you're still coveting your neighbor's goods through the agencies of men who exercise authority one over the other, in other words, men in governments of the world, the world being in constitutional orders and systems of government, you are an idolater. And you are not born again. And you are not following Christ. Now, that can all change if you simply allow the wisdom of God into your heart so that you can repent, think differently, and think like Christ said originally. So anyway, that took us to this idea of living separately and the death of the state. It's not the death. We don't kill the state. We're not insurrectionists. We're not rebels. We are conforming to Christ, which is another form of government, we're conforming to his church, his holy church, which is the ministers who are called out by God. You have to figure out who those are. God knows who they are. There's not a lot of them. Uh, there could be a lot more. But you have to seek them and their righteousness. Uh, and, of course, they're not righteous, but God is righteous because it's the righteousness of God that we're supposed to be seeking. And of God appoints a kingdom to those people who conform to his will. Thy will be done. Not those who say, Lord, Lord, but those who are actually doing the will of the Father. And setting the table of the Lord to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity instead of force, fear, and fealty, which is what you've been doing since FDR and Woodrow Wilson and... LBJ and all these other gods of the world because they are gods. Uh, a couple article on apotheos, uh, which means a pointer of gods, and you will see where the United States government website says that the painting in the Capitol dome raises Washington to the rank of God. Quote unquote. But anyway, that's another whole story. We're going to actually be talking about nullification. And originally this morning we talked about nullification after going through a series of 
quotes uh, concerning, you know, some of the things that Alexis Tocqueville said. Uh, we, uh, you know, which were very much in line with what did make America great. The greatness of America lies not in being more enlightened than any other nation, but rather in her ability to repair her faults. And one of our faults has become America. One of the faults of Americans has become that they have decided that it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods to the agency of men who exercise authority. And the men that they depend on is the United States government and the state governments who force the contributions of the people to provide them with free stuff. Now, you can keep doing that, but not without paying a price because you live in a cause and effect universe. And if you choose to cause that covetous practice, you will suffer the effect of that covetous practice, which is what we've been talking about now for quite some time. So, when the past no longer illuminates the future, the spirit walks in darkness. And, of course, that was the problem at the time of Jesus Christ. The people sat in darkness. Now, you're actually walking in darkness, which is even more dangerous because you're liable to take a serious fall if you go that way. So, uh, Alexis did say the health of a democratic society, and he's he's speaking... He wrote in French, so when you say a democratic society, he's not advocating democracy. He's talking about a society in which the people have a say. And, and in a republic, the people have a say over what they choose to do. They don't have a say over what everybody else chooses to do. So if you want to be in a social welfare state, in, a, in that private administration of government, that was set up by FDR in, in an institution that was originally opposed by the Roman Church and then accepted by the Roman Church after some sort of a deal was made with Eleanor Roosevelt in New York City, which we talk about elsewhere. It doesn't really matter. But they accepted it. And, of course, I could tell you why, but, you know, it's it's... It's above most of your pay grade. You don't need to know. What you need to know is the righteousness of God. We don't, we're not blaming anything on Eleanor Roosevelt or the Roman Church or, or the Rothschilds. They all, whatever sins they may have committed is on their head and God will be the judge. What you can do something about is what you're going, the way you're going to walk. The way you're going to be illuminated uh, by learning from the past. And of course the past includes Christ which was teaching people how to come together according to the perfect law of liberty. And creating a social community with a communion based on charity and faith and hope rather than force and fear and uh, fealty. So anyway... Like I said, he said, the health of a democratic society may be measured by the quality of functions performed by private citizens. And of course, like I was saying in this morning's program, is that used to be that 90 to 95 percent to maybe 99 percent of all social welfare was handled through private contributions, free Fervent charity. And 
that's why America was growing and progressing and developing this unbelievable economy of wealth where people were retiring, farming with mules and retiring at 45. <laughs> Had enough money not only to retire, but to put numerous children through college that weren't even his children. He just neighbor kids that he liked, he put them through college. That's the kind of wealth that was being generated when we were doing the right thing. Now, what's being generated is inflation and the character of the people is degenerated so that, you know, some senile old guy uh, can cause everybody in the country to wear a mask and shut down businesses and starve their neighbor and... Uh, cause all kinds of fits of depression and everything else. Uh, suicide rates go up and everything. And all they did is, you know, play recordings on TV. <laughs> now I know more people who've died after the vaccination, within days after the vaccination, some died months later, but many died within days of the vaccination than I know of who died of covid I don't know really anybody who died uh, singularly of COVID. I, I know some people that had multiple morbidities and, and they died when they had the flu. But that, I, I've known that. When I worked in a convalescent home years ago where I met my wife, every flu season, the gurneys lined up in the hallway of people who died. Because old folks' homes, when there's a flu season, any kind of flu, they died because of all the other morbidities. And nobody said, oh, my gosh, everybody's dying from the flu. No, they died of chronic heart disease and emphysema and, and all these other things uh, that was acerbated by a cold or a flu. They didn't make it. And it's, it's, it's a sad thing, but th that's what happens. That's part of life. So anyway, but... Nobody paid any attention to that. They were easily manipulated because as a thinking society, they have long since degenerated. And I'm old enough that I can remember that when this process was uh, really getting going. Uh, I knew enough, talking to older people, uh, how that process got going. Uh, and now you know, we still have people. Now, when you point out the problem is is that you're sitting in darkness. You don't see what's really going on because you've accepted this idea that legal charity is charity, that public welfare is for your welfare, even though in the New Testament and the Old Testament, Paul quoting David in the Old Testament, what should have been for your welfare has become a snare, that it weakens you, it destroys you. Because welfare by the state, legal charity degenerates society. That's just a fact. Okay, so if you haven't learned that from history, it's about time you did. American Americans group together to hold feasts, fites, as he says in uh, Tocqueville's book, found seminaries, they built inns, they constructed churches, they distribute books, they dispatch, dispatch missionaries uh, to the antipods, uh, they established hospitals, prisons, prisons, schools by the same method. Finally, 
if they wish to highlight a truth or develop an opinion by the encouragement of a great example, they form an association to advocate that, that those principles and ideas. Today, everybody just turns on the TV and watches CNN. No wonder you've got a problem. So anyway, I, I go into other things that I can say are contrasts. And uh, one of them, it says, there are some nations in Europe. This is where Alexis talks about this contrast. There are some nations in Europe, and this is back in the 1830s, 1840s, nations in Europe whose inhabitants think of themselves, in a sense, as colonists. This is in Europe. Indifferent to the fate of the place they live in. The greatest changes occur in their country without their cooperation. They are not even aware of precisely what has taken place. They suspect it. They have heard of the events by chance. More than that, they are unconcerned with the fortunes of their village, the safety of their streets, the fate of their church, and its vestry. They think that such things have nothing to do with them. That they belong to a powerful stranger called the government. Now he's talking about Europeans in 1835. He has not seen that way of thinking in America. I see it now. And, and, but they are, somehow, this stranger called government, which nobody can really identify. I mean, you can say Pelosi's government, Schumer's government, or Trump's government, or Biden's government. I mean, like, Biden is supposedly the president. You think he's really calling all the shots and figuring everything out? Even Bill Clinton, who is really sharp, many of the speeches were dictated to him. The executive order I mentioned this morning in this morning's program, he didn't write that. Somebody else wrote that and wanted that to go. And he admits this uh, in a speech in Scotland on the day his father uh, died, that he got the news of his father's death, his real father. His real father didn't die until he was already in the presidency. Another whole story. Don't need to know the facts on that. Not important. Nothing important here. <laughs> but... Uh, when he did die, I went and looked up, where's Bill now? Because somebody called me from Hope, Arkansas and told me what had happened. I knew who his real father was. And it was part of our network. And uh, our invisible network that even Google doesn't know about. <laughs> because Google doesn't live in the spirit, doesn't walk in the spirit. So Google is ignorant of, uh, of these things. But anyway... Uh, I looked up and saw the speech that he was writing, and it was all about family and what's really important. And he says by the time you get to a position of power like he was in, somebody else is calling all the shots. So he was telling us this, you know, but he, he is such a victim of his own passions and greed. I, I still have hope that someday he will repent. I haven't seen it yet, but I have hope that he will repent. And maybe, I hope he does a better job of it than Constantine did. Uh, because it's not a, it's not good to leave it to the last minute like Constantine. <laughs> so anyway, uh, 
But anyway, uh, so he, he goes on to talk about uh, talk about these people in Europe who seem oblivious to what's going on. They enjoy these goods as tenants without a sense of ownership and never give a thought to how they might be improved. They are so divorced from their own interests that even when their own security and that of their children is finally compromised, they do not seek to avert the danger themselves, but cross their arms and wait for the nation as a whole to come to their aid. Now, I mean, I know people from other countries. I have two uh, daughter-in-law and son-in-law from other countries. And they see that, that if a disaster happens, everybody just sits around and waits for the government to fix it. And and we certainly saw that with COVID. So many people, oh, we're just supposed to do this. Oh, we're just supposed to go and sit down in our apartments and in our houses and we'll wait. I mean, people got angry and said, oh, I don't want to have anything to do with this. But they didn't. They didn't have the art or the skill of liberty. They didn't know how to stand up together because they are so out of practice. They hadn't, haven't you? It's it's like what was the line in, uh, you know, uh, with Keanu Reeves, and uh, in the Matrix, uh, when he says, "What's wrong with my arms and legs?" You know, or whatever. I don't know. It's the eyes and arms are like. Well, you've never used them. <laughs> You've never used your legs of liberty. You're completely out of practice. And, of course, that's the way it was with the Israelites in the bondage of Egypt, which, of course, meant that they had to go through the plagues before God would soften the heart of the Pharaoh and allow them to go. Because they they didn't know how to be free people. And this is another part of the topic that I wanted to cover. There's a lot of people that are looking to guru theories about nullification and uh, which is what we talked about a little briefly this morning and uh, but also jury nullification that was the thing that came up uh, in the past I've got an article on that and recordings on that nullification the doctrine of nullification that was something that was put into place by a couple of the states and it's never been tested so the idea that its actual thing is somewhat in question. Uh, and that is based on the original 1799 uh, approach to this doctrine of nullification. And like I said, it's, it's past 1799, it's past 1899, it's past 1999. <laughs> and your access to nullification through the states is just a pipe dream. It's a fiction. But the same is true where you talk about independent sovereignty or the right of self-determination or becoming a state national. What state national? There are no states. They're all abandoned. Uh, There's corporations, you know, uh, that carry the name state. But all their legislatures are U.S., uh, everybody, your schools, your social security, your welfare, everything. And that is how you become merchandise. That is how you become sureties for debt. Paul tells you this. Peter tells you this. 
John the Baptist tells you this. Proverbs tells you this. That it's the dainties of the king, the covetous practice, the wages of unrighteousness, all this, that's New Testament. That is going to make you merchandise, entangle you again in the yoke of bondage. But you think you're going to fill out some papers or apply for some sort of national passport and suddenly you're going to be free. But you haven't addressed not only the fact that you have been engaging in covetous practices, you haven't been setting the table of the Lord. You either eat at or you send your parents to the table of the state to eat at those idolatrous tables, those covetous tables. And that is what your sloth has put you under tribute. Your avarice has made you merchandise. You have to address that. The elephant in the room. The covetous practices that brought you back into this entanglement. He goes on to say, Yet as utterly as they sacrifice their own free will, in other words, they give the power of choice to government to decide what is good and evil, what is right and wrong, they are no fonder of obedience than anyone else. They're not going to take care of one another through pure religion. If you're not taking care of one another through pure religion, you can kiss your liberty goodbye. There's nothing you can do to bring liberty back. Yeah, that's inconvenient. Yeah, oh, I got a lot of work to do and I just don't have the time to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and practice pure religion because I got to go out and make a living because I really just care about me more than I care about anybody else. You see... If you actually cared about your neighbor as much as you cared about yourself, you'd find the time to sit down in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. You'd find the time to start seeking the righteousness of God. Which, you know, go back and listen to what I talked about this morning, quoting Alexis. They submit, it is true, to the whims of a clerk. But no sooner is force removed than they are glad to defy the law as a defeated enemy. Thus one finds them ever wavering between servitude and license. No, you you have to actually physically seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You can't be sacrificing your free will. You have to take your free will back. But you have to take it back as if you cared about the free will, the choices of your neighbor as much as you care about your own choices. So on that page, you know, I may change and elaborate on these pages as they go through the audios and prepare them for release to be put up on these pages. But I have a section here called Zero Point, which again is uh, quoting Alexis Tocqueville again. Uh, I got to move along quick here because I wanted to get into some other. There's a lot of other doctrines <laughs> that are floating around. The doctrine of equitable conversion, and the doctrine of equitable reconversion, and the doctrine of merger. What the heck is that? Oh, I I revealed that at the agreement conference way back in in uh, 2002 in in. Uh, Colorado, Cedar Edge, Colorado. 
And, you know, I saved it to the diehards were still hanging around and, and showed them. That is, that is amazing. That is amazing. But I'm not going to tell you about that today. I may make more references to it, but I'll sneak them in there where you may not catch it. But the Holy Spirit will show you when you're ready. But you need to repent and start doing those other things we just talked about. When a nation has reached this point, it must either change its laws and mores or perish. For the well of public virtue has run dry in such a place one no longer finds citizens but only subjects. That's America. Somebody just wrote me. Uh, I've closed it now so that it doesn't ding during the program. Uh, but somebody wrote me and talked about patriotism and all this stuff. And he's written this book and all this stuff. I don't think he... And, and that he, he called me by name. He's writing to me and everything. And supposedly he has some sort of connection to John Stossel and everything. I don't know if it's an actual valid. But, uh, you know, he may be just whistling Dixie. But... The reality is, is that, you know, we have a very specific message here, which is the message of Christ. It's, it's what he was talking about. And sure, I'm quoting Alexis Tocqueville, but I have hundreds of hours up where I'm quoting Jesus Christ. And Alexis Tocqueville talked about when he comes home from work, uh, sitting down and reading the Bible was one of the biggest moments of the day. That, that's what made everything else worthwhile. So, the principles of the Bible I find all throughout Alexis Tocqueville's work. He goes on to say, a nation can survive its fools. Actually, this is not him. This is, this is another guy. I'll, I'll let you see if you can figure out who said this. A nation can survive its fools. As soon as I started reading it, I thought, oh, this isn't Alexis. <laughs> and I knew who it was. But, uh, and even uh, the ambitious uh, you know, amongst it, the, they can survive their ambitious. You know, like uh, Casio Cortez, you know, who's uh, <laughs> raking in severe bucks, far, far beyond the wages of a congressman. Where is she getting all this money? <laughs> but it, it cannot survive treason from within. An enemy at the gates is less formidable, for he is known... And carries his banner openly. So the enemy of the gate is less formidable than this. The fools and the ambitious. And those people who uh, bring treason from within. And of course Jefferson said that's where we would be defeated. And of course it's already taken place. And, and you think I'm talking about politicians who are treasonous. And certainly there are politicians who will sell you out to the Chinese and everybody else. Uh, to fill their own coffers and they don't care about you. But I'm not talking about their treason. Their treason pales in comparison to your treason. As soon as you decided that it was okay to covet your neighbor's goods through the exercising authority of government, men in government, you know, with public school and social security and all these other things, as soon as you thought that was okay, you were a traitor to Christ. Because Christ said you couldn't be that way, and you're that way, so that's a traitor. You're saying, it makes you a traitor because you're saying you're a Christian, but you're doing the opposite of what Christ said. So you're a traitor. You're a traitor to Christ. And most of your pastors out there, 
I'll say, I'll give them a break. Many of your pastors out there are traitors to Christ. Now, maybe they just lack knowledge. Because I know there's some don't actually say this, but they're not far from the kingdom. But if you're not far from the kingdom, you probably still have some repenting to do. But it goes on to say that, but the traitors moves amongst those within the gate freely. His sly whispers, his rustling through all the alleys, heard in the very halls of government itself. For the traitor appears not a traitor. He speaks in an accent familiar to his victims. He wears their face and their arguments. He appeals to the baseness that lies deep in the heart of all men. He rots the soul of a nation. He works secretly and unknown in the night to undermine the pillars of the city. He infects the body politics so that it can no longer resist. A murderer is less to fear. So who said that? Cicero! <laughs> The Roman, you know, the the guy with pebbles in his mouth, you know, if you know the whole story. But anyway, what does he mean? You know, he, he, he works secretly and unknown in the night to undermine the pillar of the city. Now, we could, we could be talking about the number of, you know, acts that were passed like Christmas Eve or in the middle of the night when... Many of the politicians had gone home, and so, therefore, they weren't there for certain votes. They had enough to vote, but they they secretly said, oh, let's all stick around, let these other guys go home, and then we'll vote on this thing. <laughs> they had to have a certain number there, but it it split the vote because there were the guys who went home early. Now, that has actually happened many, many, many times. That kind of stuff goes on all the time in politics. And, and, you know, I mean, you even have people like Pelosi saying, well, you have to vote on it before you can read it. (laughs) But she actually said that out loud and got away with it. But that's not the traitor we're talking about. We're talking about the one who infects the body politics so that it can no longer resist. And, of course, that was FDR, the social welfare state. It degenerated the people. It weakened them. It took away the communion of a free nation. The communion of a free nation is when you take care of one another through charity, through private means. Christians were persecuted because they practiced private religion. Private religion, because we know religion is how you take care of the needy of your society. Private religion is the charitable institutions. That you create or establish. And we'll show you how to do that. But you got to walk the walk. Not just talk the talk. So, the night was provided by those who thought themselves righteous, born again, but still loved the darkness. That's the ones who are the traitors. You know, Edwin Emil Witt. Now, you all know Edwin Emil Witt. You know who that is, right? He's the father of Social Security. (laughs) He invented the system. He focused on social insurance issues 
for the people who already were forgetting the nature of pure religion. They they were already forgetting that pure religion is how you take care of the needy of your society, unspotted by the men who exercise authority one over the other, the constitutional orders and systems of government. So, you know, you heard me say all this, so I'm kind of repeating it, but I'm, it, it's worth repeating so you hear it over and over again. Then now you have to go out and practice saying it. <laughs> but more than anything, you have to practice doing it. So what is social insurance? It's a, a form of social welfare that provides a sort of insurance against a- economic risk, either through public or private means. Your country wasn't falling apart quick enough. So they came up with COVID. And they shut, and the solution to COVID was shut down, even though some of the top immunologists in the world were saying shutdown is a bad idea. They were saying this way back at the very beginning, before it even, be, because it will delay the progress of the disease, keep it longer in our society thereby exposing more and more elderly. I, I just was listening to a guy down in Arizona who had a number of, one of our ministers sent me a recording. He had a number of convalescent homes. They didn't get a single case for quite some time. They didn't follow the same restrictions everybody else was, but they were they were much healthier. They, had, they set up a, a set of protocols which were unheard of in the media. But they worked. And even when they had cases, they had a, a great deal of recovery. The only ones who didn't recover are the ones who were obstinate and didn't want to do any of the things that they suggested to do. But those who followed the protocols they set up, that even though they were in old folks' homes with a lot of other premorbidities, they survived. And they hardly even had a case. And And so what were they doing? Well, this, they were able to do a lot of things because they aren't dependent upon Medicare or Medicaid to run their old folks home. And uh, I, I'm not a big advocate of old folks homes. What I'm an advocate is community that come together and teach young people how to take care of their parents in their own homes. That That would be a social insurance worth working for because that is what you need. To, to learn to care because of what Alexis said. It's as important to the giver, well, maybe more important to the giver than to the receiver, that you operate in charity. Because it opens a door to that singularity, quantum, mechanics, secret garden of righteousness where the walls of the full armor of God will be around you. So, when they talk about social insurance, and I was reading part of a definition that I put in here that I took out of, you know, uh, actually I noticed it didn't have the other quote, closing quote, but um, I just took it off of Google. But it's an insurance against economic risk either through public or private means. The church should be your private social welfare. Communion should be the free bread that is provided through a nation of charity. That will make your nation stronger. That will not only stop the enemy at the gate by the power of God, but it will stop the enemy within. 
The contributions which may be considered a form of insurance premiums does create a common fund out of which the individual may then be paid benefits in the future. And of course, that's what the altars of Abraham and the altars of Moses were all about. And that was what the living altars of Jesus Christ were all about. The common fund is no different in the state than the one purse reference that we see in Proverbs. That, because they talk about the way of the one purse runs towards death, runs towards evil. It degenerates the people. They are caught in their own net. Why? It isn't because there is this treasury, and of course we're not talking about a central treasury, because the treasure is in the individual state. There isn't a, in the kingdom of God, there isn't a state treasury where we have a big vault and we put all kinds of money in. Uh, the, the real treasure is in the hands of every individual. And and individual is the keeper of the treasury of God. And through an intimate network, if there's a greater need somewhere, he he can provide some of that flow to help them out, just like the human body. You have blood all over your body. It's not all sitting in your heart ready to be redistributed. That That would kill you. It's all over your body. And when you start to run, capillaries open up and more blood goes down to your legs. More blood goes to your lungs to pick up more oxygen to get down to your legs. To take the lactic acid back away. And the body learns to run. And other things will shut down. And that's the same way with the body of Christ. Except for with the body of Christ, we also have this other element. of The singularity of God. The righteousness of God, who will ultimately intervene. But in order to get to that point, we have to follow the way of God. Diligently follow the way of God. So, our social protection, that's another thing that Emil talked about, social protection. As defined by the United Nations Research Institute of Social Development, is concerned with preventing, managing, and overcoming situations that adversely affect people's well-being. That's the job of the church. The difference between us and the United Nations is that we do it through free will offerings and fervent charity, but the United Nations does it through force. Divided up amongst all the different nations. But that's what the Great Reset is, is to consolidate that power of force into every nation. And they're well on their way. There's no stopping them now. There's repenting. They're seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness and realizing that we're in a lot of trouble, not because of somebody else and what they did, but because of what we are not doing. We have no secret garden. We have no social protection through policies and programs designed to reduce poverty and vulnerability based on charity. The only ones we have are based on exercising authorities. The churches aren't doing what they were supposed to do. What we see, FDR's social welfare, LBJ's social welfare, Bill Clinton's, uh, Biden's, even Trump's, it's all mastermind after the imperial cult of Rome. 
That's why all these buildings have Roman architecture. One of the only ones that doesn't is the one that was built in Maryland. They had a building all for Social Security originally. That was one of the amazing things. I, I just, I, I can't, you know, correlation is not causation. <laughs> I know there were certain meetings and I know there were objections and I know objections were withdrawn after certain meetings. And I know there was a building that was already built to house the Social Security Administration. And they never used it. They built a different one. In a different location. In a different place. And they moved into that one. (laughs) So, why? They built one already. But then they didn't use that one. They built another one somewhere else. Why'd they do that? I just found it fascinating. Can't prove anything. I can prove that if you covet your neighbor's goods... The men who exercise authority, you will be made merchandise. I can prove, because you can see it, that if you cover your neighbor's goods through men who exercise authority one over the other and don't practice pure religion, you will curse your children with debt because those men will borrow against the future of your children, making them a surety for debt. And I do know that you're all back in the bondage of Egypt and it's worse with you today than it was back then. And the reason why is because your churches aren't preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Which requires that men repent of thinking that those things are okay. That you're told every day that are okay in your modern churches. And seek, which they say you don't have to seek anything. You just believe in Jesus. But you're supposed to seek the way of righteousness of God. And should be rejecting out of pocket. The rewards of unrighteousness. I mean, they don't even appeal to you. But uh, anyway, now we got hardly 15 minutes to get through some of the most complex legal jargon in, 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 in modern studies. I cover all this in, in the Covenants of the Gods and, and other places. Uh, but like I said, there are these other doctrines... Um, and and I'll I'll just throw out a few quotes. Things which have not yet been introduced within the enemy do not need the fiction of poslemony on account because their ownership by the law of nations has not yet been changed. That was real true at one time. But that's not so true. Well, it's still true, but it doesn't apply anymore. Because you have been introduced. And the Great Reset is all about that introduction. And you're well on the way. So, but, so that, that little maxim of law actually still does exist. And, uh, I, c- I could recite that in Latin, and that's in, uh, uh, it's in the Covenants of the Gods, uh, laced in there amongst a lot of other words of wisdom. But uh, there's a thing called equitable conversion. And conversion, or constructive conversion, is an implied or virtual conversion which takes place where a person does such acts in reference to the goods of another as amount in law to the appropriation of the property to himself. 
A direct conversion takes place when a person actually appropriates the property of another to his own beneficial use and enjoyment. But that's a direct conversion. We just talked about a constructive conversion, which is a real thing. And people say, well, that's not common law. Well, common law is not the only law in America. If you read the Constitution, you know that the Judiciary Act of 1789 outlined the law in which they make provisions in it for equity, which is what we're talking about, equitable conversion where the money invested for the benefit of a certain beneficiary, uh, equity regards especially for the purposes of devolution. So what's what's devolution? It sounds devilish, doesn't it? <laughs> devolution is the transfer or transaction from one person to another of a right or a liability or a title or an estate or an office. And... That's what equitable, equitable conversion, you know, in regards, especially for the purposes of devolution. The, in order to create that, you know, the, uh, respecter of persons sort of thing. The prospective sale or investment as if it had taken place at the time the will or deed took effect, this is usually called the doctrine of equitable conversion. Historically, the adoption of such a rule owed much to the influence of the maxim that equity regards that as done which ought to be done. Uh, Therefore are some limitations to this conversion. The rule does not operate to deprive a widow of her dower right. Now, would that include the bride of Christ? Because... Is the bride of Christ, in one sense of the word, while Christ is gone, a widow indeed? (laughs) Mm, The doctrine of merger is coming to mind. Where the beneficiaries are also a jurist and agree to do so, they may, before the conversion actually takes place, elect to take the property of its original form because the trustee, in such a case, must obey the beneficiary rather than the directives of the creator of the trust. This is usually referred to as the doctrine of equitable reconversion. And you can read that in Clark's Summary of U.S. American Law. And you can also read it in Covenants of the Gods. And most of you probably won't get it because there's several elements of this. And, uh, and... And we're making reference. I don't have time to go through all of it, but I'll keep on going here. None are more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe that they are free. And that is the story in America. You're back in the bondage of Egypt and people think they're free men. They think they can fill out some papers and they become free men. You know, they, because everything they did was illegal, disregarding the fact that everything they did was illegal. Coveting your neighbor's goods is a violation of the Ten Commandments and therefore illegal in the laws of God. And according to the courts of God, you're guilty. And you should be in bondage because you've been slothful in the ways of righteousness. So, go figure. I'm showing you, I'm saying this out loud, just like Mein Kampf and, and the Great Reset. <laughs> they tell you outlaw. 
uh, excuse me, they tell you outlaw, that's funny. They tell you out loud that they're outlaws and they're going to get you to be outlaws and with you being an outlaw, they're going to equitably convert your rights to theirs. And that's what they've done. And that's what they continue to do. And they told you. They told you how they were going to do it. But you, you didn't pay any attention. This is the beautiful thing about the truth. Is that the truth is so powerful, even the devil has to tell you it. But he's very clever in how he does it. I mean, the whole story of the garden, you know, he's like, oh, surely you will not die. And he was telling the truth. But he was using die in a different sense. <laughs> they did die to the tree of life. They did die to righteousness. But they didn't physically die. That was coming later. But anyway, the, another quote here. But the doctrine of constructive trust has an important limitation. It is not enforced against a transferee who had both paid value and received title before notice of trust or other equity. A purchase from unknown trustee who has the authority to sell need not see the proper application of the purchase money. Okay, so what is that all about? That's already in play. That is already in play right now. They don't know it. It's been in play since decades and decades ago. But it hasn't played out completely. And they don't understand that. Other things are going to have to fall into place before the pillar of fire destroys the enemies of God, God's people. What you need to be focused on is becoming one of God's people. By repenting and seeking the kingdom of God, which I've just explained what that looks like, it's people sitting down in the tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands and actually caring about their neighbor as much as they care about themselves. Not so much with the hope of personal reward, but for the sake of righteousness. You don't seek the kingdom of God and its reward. You seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which means you have to care about others as much as you care about yourself because God cares about others as much as he cares about himself. And if you're going to be living in the image of God, then you have to put that forthright ahead in your life. Delivery cannot and ought not to transfer to him who receives more than was in possession of him who made the delivery. And of course, there's much that is not in their possession that they don't even know about. And... Uh, and you would only know about if you had the Spirit of God dwelling in you. But these are real things that are passing before us. And passing in, you know, I'm, I'm talking about past, present, and future events here. And I'm laying out the mechanics of it. So it's out in the world. Because there's other doctrines too. The doctrine of law of uses. The essence of all slavery consists in taking the produce of another's labor by force. That's socialism. That's communism. That's democratic socialism. It is immaterial whether this force is founded upon ownership of the slave or ownership of the money that he must get to live. Now, now of course, that's Leo Tolstoy. But there's, there's truth in that. So, back to uses. Uh, do I have enough time? Uh, the enjoyment. 
of property. That's what use means. The beneficial use is the right to enjoy the property. You do not own the beneficial use of any property you have legal title to because legal title does not include the beneficial use. If you want to keep enjoying the property, you must pay for the use of that property. And we call that property tax. You're back in the bondage of Egypt. You have to do the same thing with labor. And they're closing the what they call the usufruct. Uh, this this is very specific in Roman and Roman civil law, which are the same systems of jurisprudence. A personal servitude consists of the jus intendi, or the right to make use of a thing, as distinguished from the usufruct. The usury had only a personal right, and uh, and was limited by his own necessities or those of his family. He was not entitled to the use of the profit. Of the subject of the use. That's where you're at. You don't own your labor. You don't own your land. You don't own your children. You need to repent. Because there is a way out. And and God will show you that way out. And he will give you the strength to go that way out. If not for you, for your children or for your grandchildren. He goes on to say in this statute of Mortmain's or the law of uses, the statute of uses, statute of Mortmain, this is the doctrine of it. Deeds of land made to one person to or for the use of another. That is what has happened. And now the whole United States has gone into debt. The traveling merchants of the earth have a full stock like we see in Revelations. You're all worried about the chip. You're already there. You're already there. And uh, I'm looking at the time again, looking at the clock. I've, I pretty much got it all covered. You know, we can uh, we can read Revelations 18. Also, the merchants of the earth, full stock of gold and silver and precious stones and and of pearls and fine linen and and all manner of vessels and iron and marble and cinnamon. I'm skipping a few things here. And wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep. Yeah, they don't want you eating meat. <laughs> and souls of men. And so you need to, you need to turn around. And, uh, seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Uh, there's a reference to land patents are issues and theoretically passed between the sovereign deeds are uh, executed by persons and private corporations without these sovereign powers. But I'm not I'm not going to dwell on that. But the people who talk about land patents and everything, most of that is fraud. Most of that is not true. It's not going to get you anywhere. I, I tell you that what got you into trouble is the covetous practices, which is an abandonment, a traitor, a treasonous to the kingdom of God. It is idolatry. And what's going to get you back is to go the other way, the opposite way. You can't get there from here. But with God's grace and blessing, you may be able to get your children to there. So, if you're not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and trying to figure out the skills and arts of practicing pure religion through the perfect law of liberty, you're not doing what you need to do. So you need to do that first. That's primary. 
and and you need to expand that network all across America, all across Canada, all across South America, Australia, and even into China. And this is, in essence, the gospel of the kingdom. It is something that, you know, the broad is the way to destruction, narrow is the way to righteousness. And so you have to turn around and go that other way. And so we're actually at a climax point. You know, like I say, we're headed to solar max again. This is not probably the last solar max you'll see. <laughs> there will be more, uh, more coming. Uh, but, um, uh, you, you, because Jesus said, look for signs in the sun. And so I pointed out because he showed me certain things through that process. You don't have to go and become, uh, you know, a geomagnetism and learn all about that and, and what's going on in the core of the earth and the core of the sun and proton events and all these kinds of things. But the reality is, is that we live in a, a singularity of creation and everything affects everything else. You can't fix this. You can repent. You can seek the righteousness of God by Caring about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. In order to do that, you're going to have to forgive your neighbor. You're going to have to forgive those people you sit down with in congregations who don't think just like you and talk just like you and say you're really great all the time. You don't need that. You, you need to really look deep into your own soul and heart and see what God is trying to show you. And he will try to show you some of these things by bringing people in your midst that may rub you the wrong way to find out where the rough spots are in your own heart. That's that's the key. And stop trying to rule over everybody else and try to set down your own vanity and ego and let God rule over your heart. And what that should look like is people coming together who actually care about each other as much as they care about themselves. Until... Next week, or until we meet again, I will say peace on your house, and may God be with you. Boy, we got a lot of people called in and looked in or listening. <laughs> I just looked at the board. Uh, well, God bless. Uh, see you next time. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.